Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 5 on what it means to walk with God as Enoch walked with God. And we'll also learn that walking with God is to believe something very special and valuable about the Bible. Now, as we approach Thanksgiving time this week, we have so much to be thankful for. And the Friendship with God radio program is thankful for your listenership. And we hope in return that you're thankful for this Old Testament expository preaching and teaching from Tom Cantor. Now, we cannot continue to air this Bible teaching program on this station if you don't support it. And so we ask if you would consider making a one-time or even a small monthly contribution to support Friendship with God and keeping Tom Cantor's tremendous Bible teaching messages airing on this station in this city. To encourage you to support this program, with any donation of $10 or more, we'll send you Tom Cantor's life story and his wonderful track, How a Jew Learned the True Meaning of Christmas, that you can give out at holiday and Hanukkah time. Now, consider donating by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Or go online to donate at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, on Friendship with God. And the Jewish people would be swallowed up in grief at that time and sorrow. But immediately, Zechariah 13.1 says, In that day, in that very day, he says, There shall be a fountain open to the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And they say, We pierced him. They shall look on him whom they have pierced. Tonight's Rosh Hashanah. In a week will come Yom Kippur. Many Jewish people will go to synagogue. And the cantor, a rabbi, will lead them in reciting five words. My great-great-grand so forth. Eleven generations were rabbis and cantors in Lithuania. This is what they did every Yom Kippur. They would leave the congregation in saying five words. The first word, ashamnu. What does it mean? We are guilty. The second word, bagadnu we have betrayed. The third word, gazalnu, we have stolen. The fourth word, dibarnu, we have lied. And the fifth word, dofi, we have slandered. Those five words have been said from generation to generation, year by year on Yom Kippur. But those five words, when they are respoken in Zechariah 12.10, when they look on him whom they have pierced, they'll all of a sudden have a new meaning that they never had before because they'll say, Ashamnu, we are guilty of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bagadnu, we have betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ into the hands of Romans. Gazalnu, we have stolen the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ by not giving him credit for what he has done for us. Dibarnu, we have lied when we denied our Lord Jesus Christ when we've said we have no king but Caesar. And Dophi, we have slandered the Lord Jesus Christ by not saying Yeshua, but Yeshu, which is an acronym that means may his name be blotted out forever. We've slandered him. And those five words, which are going to be repeated again in just a week by so many Jews as they go to synagogue, will then have their real meaning for them as the people who are left come out of darkness into his light. Now, we saw last week that the devil's seed is best described, and you might want to turn to that, in Ephesians 2.12, because there in Ephesians 2.12 is a very good description of the issue with the devil's seed and God's seed. Because what it says in Ephesians 2.12 is that it says, At that time ye were without Christ. 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the best verse description to describe the devil's seed. Without God in the world. Without God, alien strangers, no hope. Without God in the world. And the devil's seed just wants it that way, have we seen. They just like to have it that way. Like so much from Billy Graham's daughter, Ann Graham Lotz. She couldn't have described that desire to be without God better when she was on Larry King and she was asked the question, where was God on 9-11? And she responded, you know, we've turned our back on God in a way. Well, we have a little phrase, God bless America, and, and it's everywhere, and that's refreshing. But really, since 1963, we have, as a nation, basically told God to get out of our schools. We've told them to get out of our marketplace. We've told them to get out of our businesses. We've told them to get out of our government. We told him it's all right if he stays in the churches and the synagogues, but we want him off the streets. That's what she told him. And so God, being the gentleman that he is, he left. That's where God was on 9-11, right where we asked him to be, out of our lives, without God in the world. But notice how this verse says that we were that. We all were that. It says that we were all born as part of the devil's seed. Our response to whether or not we would know the God of our fathers, that we would serve him, surrender, and receive his sacrifice, that makes us part of God's seed. But to be part of God's seed does not come from birth. And that explains how an Adam and Eve could have a Cain. That explains how an Abraham could have an Ishmael that mocked Isaac as God's promised son. That explains how Isaac could have an Esau who despised the birthright that gave him God's promises. And that explains why it's wrong to say the Jews don't go to hell. That's what Jews, many Jews say. Hell is a Gentile thing. Only Gentiles go to hell. Jews all go to heaven because they're born Jews. They say, because the Lord Jesus Christ made it very clear in John 8, portions of that, John 8, 33-44, when they said, we be Abraham's seed, that word in the Greek is sperma, we be Abraham's genetic offspring. And the Lord Jesus Christ had no contest with that in verse 37 of 8, John 8. He said, I know that you are Abraham's seed or sperma. I know that you are Abraham's genetic offspring, but you seek to kill me. Because my word hath no place in you, I speak that which I have seen with my father. You do that which you have seen with your father. We have the issue of my father, your father here. And they answered and said, Abraham is our father. And he didn't agree. And he said, if you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth which I have heard of this. This did not Abraham. You do the works of your father. And then he went on to say, you, in verse 44, you are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and there is no truth in him, etc. So there was no contest with the fact that those Jewish people, the rulers at that time, were genetically Jewish. They'd done a DNA test. They'd say, yep, we can trace them all the way back. The map of Jerusalem being all over their faces. They were Jewish. You could tell, look at them and tell. But the Lord Jesus Christ was Jewish also. And so they looked the same. But even though they were Jewish, even though they were Abraham's seed, they were not God's seed. They were the devil's seed because they were doing the works of their father. You know how you tell God's seed? As a little kid, it was God's seed. Say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Just like God. I want to be just like God. That's the word. That's the response of God's seed. Now we come to chapter 5. And here we see the start of the genealogy of Adam. And the first thing we're told is that God created Adam and that Adam was made in God's likeness. Yeah? 
Now, when we look at the history of Adam in these three verses, three verses, you know what you don't see in this history of Adam? You see no mention of the fall of Adam. I mean, after all, he brought sin into the world and death by sin. That's a pretty significant event, don't you think? But there's no mention of it here. And there's no mention of Adam. It doesn't even say anything like, you know, uh, well, you know, after he rebelled against God and then came back and then he had Cain. It doesn't say anything. And yet, why? Because Adam did what the Lord Jesus Christ told the church to do at Ephesus in Revelation 2.5. Adam remembered, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works. Because Adam remembered from where he fell. Where did he fall? He fell away from friendship with God. And what did he do? He repented and he returned to God to become friends again. That's why Adam's sin is never mentioned in this history. Why? Because when a sinner repents of his sin. God takes his sin, and what does he do in um, Micah 7.19? He says, Thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. We want to remind you that when you support the Friendship with God radio program, you also indirectly support Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries. Recently, a Jewish woman named Rebecca received the Lord Jesus Christ as her Messiah after being befriended and worked with by IRM missionaries, and she is now being discipled. If you, too, would like to support Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries, Tom Cantor is the founder of that, and he's also a Jewish Christian, and helping to reach God's lost nation of Jewish brothers and sisters, call us with a donation of any amount to reach the Jew first with the gospel. Imagine how pleased God will be that you supported reaching one of his lost family members. Now call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go online to israelrestoration.org. Now here's Tom Cantor. He does what he said in Isaiah thirty-eight seventeen: Thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. He does what he says in Psalm 103, 12, As far as the east is from the west... So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He does what he says in Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out thy transgressions as a thick cloud. In Hebrews 10, 17, he does. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That's why there's no mention of Adam's sin and the monumentalness of it in Genesis 5. Because he repented and God saved Adam. And then all of his sin was gone. It was not recorded. It was blotted out. It was not in front of God. It was behind God's back. It was far away, as far as the east is from the west. It was not retrievable. It was cast into the depths of the sea, and it was never going to be remembered again. It's so wonderful to read Adam's history here and see nothing of his great sin here. It makes us know that as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, God says the recording of your sin will not be played again. It's over. That's wonderful. So, God's seed starts out here by Adam. And what's the one word? Here's a question for you. What's the one word that's used three times in the first two verses about Adam? Created. It's actually four times if you include made, because they have the same meaning. Created. It's created. This is an emphasis. God's seed emphasizes the fact that they were created. For God's seed, creation is not just a counter-explanation to evolution. It's not just a scientific explanation of origins. For God's seed, creation is very personal because it's not just that God created mankind 
The point is, God created me. The point is, God created you. And that means so much to us, because when we're empty and we're lonely and we need God, we run to Him and we, with pleasure, we say, you made me, you made me. When we sinned and we need to come back to God, we come back to God and we say, please forgive me, you made me. When we know we are like the Jewish people and we fell away, we forgot one thing, and God reminded them in Deuteronomy 32, 18, He said, Thou hast forgotten God that formed thee. God that formed thee. We're afraid. We hear the words that God said to the people of Jacob in Isaiah 43, 1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. See the tie? I formed thee. Thou art mine. We love to say, you made it, you own it. <laughs> to God, you made me, you own me. With pleasure. If we feel we don't have any purpose in our lives, and we don't know if God's really going to use us or not. We don't even know what we're supposed to be doing here on earth. We remember the words of Isaiah 49.5. And now, thus saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. We are his servant because he made us. Isaiah 44, 21, remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant, I have formed me, thou art my servant. Twice he said it. Thou art my servant, I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. Isaiah 43, 7, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, I have made him. It means so much to us. It's not just a counter-explanation for evolution. In Tecate, Mexico, we have a wonderful doctor. Her name is Dr. Yolanda. Among her medical responsibilities for our 500 employees down there, she's also responsible for the spiritual development of the 100 children in our school. So recently, one of our staff came into our clinic and told her that her foot was infected and she needed medicine for her foot. So Dr. Yolanda asked her to just get up on the examination table and let her have a take a look at her foot. And the employee said, oh, no, doctor. She said, my foot is very ugly. (laughs) And Dr. Yolanda looked her right in the eye, and she said, oh, no. She said, your foot is not ugly because your foot is made by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he doesn't make ugly things. She got up on the table. That story spread all around the company. God's seed loved to say the Lord Jesus Christ made us. The Lord Jesus Christ created us. And God's seed does not say that someone is ugly or they hate someone because they are a different race. Why? Because God's seed knows that that person was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's seed is not about to call what the Lord Jesus Christ made ugly or to be hated. In fact, God's seed says God must really love the Chinese because he made so many of them. So we as God's seed, we love to proclaim that God is our creator. He created us. And the truth of this creation is like an anchor that brings us back. Love to emphasize. Devil seed, they love to emphasize that God does not own them or have any right to them because God did not create them. Devil seeds say somehow they evolved from what started out as a big bang and then we had all this non-living matter and that somehow this non-living matter organized itself into microorganisms, and somehow that microorganisms further organize themselves into man. How that happened, they're not completely sure. But one thing they are sure of is that God had nothing to do with it because God did not make them. Why? Because God does not own me. 
and he does not have a right to me. If you don't think that's what the devil's seed loves to emphasize, come to Creation Museum on Santee on September 29th for Creation Day, Museum Day, and we'll have, as we have every year, a big group of atheistic evolutionists, and Ray Comfort is buying lunch for them all. He's going to engage them, and then you hear it. But that's why creation is emphasized in the history of Adam and not in the history of Cain, because this is God's seed, and they love to say, God made me, God owns me. Now, God names Adam, Adam. You see that in verse 2. And Adam refers to the earth. That's the word for earth in Hebrew, Adama. And it has to do with color, color, like red iron in the earth is, uh, makes a red color. And uh, blood is red. The word for blood in Hebrew is dam. And so Adam, Adam, his name brings it back to earth. His name refers to earth. So in Genesis 2, 7, And the Lord God formed man, or Adam, of the dust of the earth, of the dust of the ground, or Adama, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God gave to man that name, and it comes from earth. Genesis 3, 9, for dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. So if we do with Adam like we did before, we interview him on a little chair, you remember we interviewed the sons, and we said to Adam, okay, well, why did God name you Adam? Tell us, Adam. And that Adam would say, well, Adam means earth or ground, and God made me out of the ground, and God wanted me to never forget my mortality. He wanted me to always have the enosh, enosh, self-perception. And see, he wanted me to always remember my body's going to return to the ground from which he formed me, so he named me after the ground. Because he knew that if I strayed away from that, I'd be in trouble. And that's why God named Adam a word coming from the earth. Now, when you look at the genealogy of Adam in verse 3, you notice anything strange in verse 3 about Adam's genealogy? Look at Genesis 5.3 and ask yourself the question, is there anything strange about that genealogy? It starts off. So why isn't Cain listed? I mean, Cain could protest and say, hey, whoa, whoa, where's me? Well, where is Cain? Cain's not there. Why? Because of four very important words in verse 3. This is the genealogy of Adam, of those that are in his own likeness. In his own likeness, in his image. What does in his own likeness mean? Well, does it mean that they look like him? No, both Cain and Seth, they look like Adam. Who else are they going to look like? But there was a difference between Cain and Seth, and they were not inwardly like Adam. They were outwardly like Adam, but they were not inwardly like Adam. So in his own image means inwardly. There's a great issue here being brought up by this fact that Cain is missing from verse 3. And we have to keep in mind this difference between inwardly and outwardly. Those words in verse 3, in his image, could be inwardly. God made. In verse 1, it says, God made Adam in his own image. God made Adam to be inwardly like God. That doesn't mean that Adam looked like God outwardly. It means that Adam was like God inwardly. So when Adam fell into sin, then he was no longer inwardly like God. But when Adam returned and repented to God, then he became inwardly like God again. And then Adam thought like God. And then Adam loved the things that God loved. And he hated the things that God hated. He made decisions like God would make. And Adam's first son, Cain, physically like him, was only like him outwardly, but not inwardly. And what we are tracing here is the son that is in Adam's likeness, or inwardly like him, who will carry on the seed. That's why we start with Seth. We could hear Cain protesting. Wait a minute. I'm the firstborn of Adam. How come I'm not listening to the genealogy? Sorry, Cain. 
you are only outwardly like Adam. You are not inwardly like Adam. And when God makes up his genealogy, he doesn't do it like man does based on the outward, but God does his genealogies according to 1 Samuel 16, 7. For the Lord does not see as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart inward. So Cain might say, but I look just like Adam. Yes, you do. You look like him outwardly, but you don't look like him inwardly. Now, the fact that Cain is missing here gives us now answers to two very important questions. What are they? First question, what about the majority of people, Jewish people, who refuse to repent and reject God's gift, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are they really Jews? Second question, what about Gentiles who repent and accept the Lord Jesus Christ, God's gift? Are they Jews? All right, so the answer to those two questions is really found in the absence of Cain in verse 3. And Paul made it very clear in the last two verses, if you like to turn to Romans 2, where he said, for he in Romans 28 and 29, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Jewish people who refuse to repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, outwardly they are Jews, but inwardly they are not Jews. Just as when God wrote down Adam's genealogy and Cain was missing in verse 3, when God writes down the genealogy of Abraham, the genealogy of the Jewish people, those Jewish people who are not receiving the Lord Jesus Christ will be missing. Why? Because like Cain in relation to Adam, those Jewish people, like in relation to Abraham, they were Jews outwardly, they were not Jews inwardly. How about the second question? How about Gentiles? who repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Are they Jews? Those Gentiles who repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, inwardly, they are Jews. And just as when God wrote down in Matthew 1 and in Luke 3, the genealogy of Abraham or the genealogy of the Jewish people to the Messiah, we find that God inserted or grafted in Rahab the Canaanite, Bathsheba the Hittite, and Ruth the Moabite. And those Gentiles became part of the genealogy of the Jewish people. So God will insert or graft into the genealogy of the Jewish people the names of those Gentiles who receive the King of the Jews, the Lord Jesus Christ. Put it this way, John 10, 16. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. When those other sheep are put into his fold, they're part of his fold. And they may look outwardly different. Although nowadays with Philosian Jews, who's really looking different? But anyway, they may look outwardly different, but every one of those sheep does one thing that makes them a part of that fold. When the shepherd speaks, every head goes up. Every head points toward the shepherd. They hear his voice. They recognize him and they follow. So Cain's missing from Genesis 5.3. And the Jewish people who reject the Lord Jesus Christ will be missing from God's genealogy of Jewish people. And just as Rahab the harlot and Bathsheba the Hittite and Ruth the Moabite were inserted into God's genealogy of Jewish people, so Gentiles who receive the Lord Jesus Christ will be included in God's genealogy of Jewish people. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for laying out so much for us here in these verses in Genesis that, Lord, we can learn and understand about you, who you are. You're so good. You rejoice in mercy. Lord, judgment is a strange work for you. 
And you love to save sinners who repent. And we pray, Lord, help us as your seed to be like God and have this same joy that you have over one sinner that repents. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Another amazing Bible study with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on the Friendship with God radio program. Now, this message is available for free, downloading and listening at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast, and also available on sermonaudio.com. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, and of course, Tom Cantor is a born-again Jewish Bible-believing Christian, and are you interested as well in helping to reach the Jewish people and help them find their Messiah? Because Tom Cantor himself was someone who was once lost without the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but someone got the gospel to him. Now, there are many more Jewish Tom Cantors out there today, and there are many lost without hope, and we as believers have an opportunity to reach them. So would you consider making a donation towards Jewish evangelism and the Friendship with God radio program, whether it's a one-time or monthly, or no matter how big or how small of a donation, 100% of every dollar goes towards Jewish evangelism and reaching lost Jewish people. No administration costs here at this radio program and at this Jewish evangelism outreach ministry. Your donation goes farther in eternity by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800 800- 247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or you can make a one-time donation online at israelrestoration.org. israelrestoration.org. And find more information about Tom Cantor and Jewish evangelism at israelrestoration.org. Or go online and make a one-time donation at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow at this same time.